This is Huck Jr., the host of In the Hut. And you listen to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling all the time. Joe B's gives you every vitamin and all the minerals naturally to get energy and feel great. Go to joebees.com. That's J-O-E-B-E-E-S.com. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show, the show where we talk about all things that are important in the world of barbecue. From big-name interviews with competitors on the barbecue circuit, grill manufacturers and pit makers, to advice on cooking brisket and ribs, you'll find it all right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Your host, Greg Rempe, is a backyard barbecue and grilling fanatic and loves to talk about his passion, which many of us share together. You can learn more about barbecue and grilling by visiting Visiting the website, thebbqcentral.com. Now, let's get in the smoke. Here's your program host, Greg Rempe. Hey, gang, welcome to another edition of the Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling, coming at you live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Dare I say it, Doug? The barbecue capital of the North Coast. Yes. Happy to have you aboard here on a Tuesday. This is a special edition of the show. It's one of the most popular shows that I do during the course of the calendar year, better known as the Barbecue Roundtables. Uh, we're going to do ribs tonight. I've started doing two sections of the show, basically. It's the competitor side, where we have some of the top teams on the competition circuit joining in and taking part, kind of giving their tips, tricks, and techniques. Uh, tonight is going to be the backyard, so we're not focusing on competition tonight, although one of our panelists is going to be a top competition uh, cook. He's going to kind of, I don't want to say dumb it down, but he's going to be uh, bringing his own backyard style to it. So that's what's happening here on the show. If you have some contact information, uh, well, let me give you some contact information in case you want to jump in tonight. 877-448-0433 is the number to call in if you want to. That's toll-free on me. Also, you can email the show at any point if you want to weigh in on what we're talking about, which is ribs tonight. Greg at the com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with the show. As stated, this is going to be a barbecue ribs roundtable show for the backyard cook. So if you're looking to better up your ribs for the upcoming weekend or whatever holiday we have coming up, uh, this is definitely one that you're going to want to listen to repeatedly because we got a lot of great guests in. So first guest tonight is a live studio guest from the raging metropolis of Mayfield Heights, Ohio. It's Doug Gillily. Gillily is in the house tonight live. Doug Killerly. Doug, what's up, buddy? Hello, everyone. Doug is in. So, Doug, as you look across the palatial studios, that is Barbecue Central Radio Networks, what are some of the first thoughts that you have kind of getting into this whole deal? Uh, it's just uh, it, it's a wonderful experience uh, being here tonight. Thanks, Greg, for having me. The in-studio experience is definitely fantastic. Definitely something that has to be experienced. It's like the new barbecue bucket list, I think. you got to be in BCR at least once in your life before you pass on. Highly recommend it. Absolutely. Also joining me tonight is one of the giveaway <laughs> professors of the show. You know him as Shane Draper, Draper's BBQ. Shane, how are you tonight, buddy? 
I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for joining me tonight, Shane. And, of course, rounding out the panel, if you're watching on Ustream, you see my shirt because I always love to pimp. Tim's Products, the proprietor of PD River Swamp Sauce and all-around wonderful hick. Tim Patton joining us here of PD River Swamp Sauce. Tim, how are you, buddy? Rampy, I am doing fine, buddy. I hope you are. I am doing absolutely fabulous. So, guys, thanks for taking the time out to talk ribs tonight. And I figure, you know, before we get into all of the stuff about what you're cooking on and the prepping of ribs and all this great information that we're about to disseminate tonight, I figured at least one or two or three of us decided to tune in Sunday night this past and watch Best in Smoke, which aired on the Food Network. Um, Of course, I have no opinion on that because I forgot to watch it. And uh, that is my error. I apologize for that. Uh, but uh, I know Doug watched it. Uh, Doug, what did you think of it? Give me your honest reaction. I, I was, I, I loved it. Um, it felt like when the famous Dave's guy almost went down. I, I felt sorry for the guy because he owns all those, you know, barbecue stores. <laughs> but he made it through. You know, the the girl that lost at the end. I think her name was Sarah. Yeah, uh, on the pineapple, and you know the meat was great, but you know she lost on the pineapple. It's unfortunate. Um, Chris Hart, Chris Lilly, it was a great experience. It was great to see. Uh, at one point, they were showing there's vanilla sugar. Learning about that spice a little bit. Other than that, uh, something something you'll tune in for next week and, and watch it all the way yeah, through. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching. All right, Shane, what about you, buddy? You watch it? I, I did watch it, and uh, I, I didn't like it quite as much. <laughs> What didn't you like about it? Be a little bit more specific. Well, you know, I felt it was a little more top chef meets barbecue, and I didn't think some of the uh, the competition aspects of it were uh, realistic, if you will. And then, of course, Sarah, I mean, she, she <laughs> boiled the meat, man. That, that was the, the ultimate faux pas right there. I mean, she's the worst person to have on any type of reality barbecue show. Of course, I ranted about that last week, but... Um, Timmy, did you watch it? I did, Greg. All right. Um, well, you're a competition cook, by the way. I mean, you're one of the top competition cooks out there in South Carolina, so give me your expert opinion. Well, it, it's not a KCBS contest, uh, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's any kind of um, press that any, you know, any hint that barbecue can get on TV, it's good for the sport, it's good for, you know, everyone who likes barbecue, so... You know, on that side, it's a good thing. The show itself, to me, it was, you know, it wasn't bad. Uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of the, you know, of the Top Chef and all that other stuff. But, uh, I, you know, I've, I don't know I've ever watched them. But, uh, you know, I mean, you've got to have some kind of format. And it's not a bad format, I don't think. It's not a real cooking barbecue, you know, show. Um, you know, but it's... But, I, you know, I mean, it, it's it's got barbecue people in it, so I'll support it and I'll watch it. I was going to say, if it, if it's barbecue people that are going to be in it, are you going to have more of a tendency to watch it regardless of what the format is? Probably so. I mean, I you know, or if it's, you know, if it's complete unknowns, I've watched that, that tailgate thing that, um, you know, the Food Network had here a few years ago mm-hmm. just to, you know, just to watch that. But, uh, you know, watching competition cooking is probably yeah, especially barbecue in that sense that you know that we're used to cooking it is probably not very exciting so mm-hmm. i mean they you know they've got that drama they got that bad excitement and you know and what better way than time and uh you know mystery ingredients and an art crowd in new york city i mean 
what can what else could you ask for for drama? Shane, if if it's going to have inherent barbecue people in the cast of the show, are you going to tune in regardless? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll I'll still watch. It just uh, I wasn't the, the biggest fan of it. Um, I'm always going to support the people that are in it. I mean, there's a lot of great names there and a lot of great talent. I mean, you can't deny that. What about you, Doug? You're going to watch it if barbecue people are on it? Oh yeah, I think it's great for the sport. I would agree with that. Um. I had to laugh, though, when Chris Lilly got the St. Louis uh, spare ribs there. They had all the shiners on it. You know, you could see him running in and, and grabbing that meat. You know, it was the best cut and, and ended up having all the shiners on it. So it was unfortunate. But, uh, it, you know, it made me laugh, you know, because, you know, everyone wants to grab the St. Louis uh, cut ribs. Well, I have to apologize to the listening audience because I did not watch it. And I have really no uh, proper opinion to give on this. But I'm going to watch the, the uh, rerun tomorrow. I believe it's on Wednesday, so in case you didn't miss it, or in case you miss it like I did, it's going to rerun tomorrow, I think at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time or something like that. So uh, I will TiVo it, then I'll watch next Sunday, so I'll bring proper opinion and status. Needless to say, if you're following any of the barbecue forums, as I do, and one of the top barbecue forums out there right now is the Barbecue Brethren, which can be found at bbq-brethren.com. I think it's safe to say that the show got absolutely panned uh, to a man, there might have been one or two people that thought it was okay, but it was getting absolutely lambasted for saying that, once again, here's something that uh, has barbecue people in it, but it isn't barbecue. And you know what? I think I'm going to tend to agree with Tim a little bit on this, and I would never do that on purpose. But uh, competition barbecue probably isn't going to be that huge excitement sport that we all or maybe the people that are in it know that it's just not inherently exciting. I mean, 14 hours to cook a piece of beef or to cook pork shoulders and do ribs and chicken, all that stuff isn't inherently exciting. There isn't going to be a lot of action like you would find in some of the more mainstream sports out there. Uh, That being said, I think it can be shot in a way that it could be packaged within some type of a NASCAR thing or, uh, you know, it's shown in, uh, in conjunction with some other sporting event uh, to, to add some type of flavor interactivity to something else. So we'll see, we'll see how it pans out. Anybody not going to be watching the, uh, what is it going to be called, the Barbecue Championship Series coming up on Memorial Day weekend, and that's, of course, from our friend John Marcus. You're going to be watching that, Doug? Uh, if it's barbecue, I will watch it. All right, Shane, you're going to be watching the Barbecue Competition Series? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's just what the TiVo is for. Even if I'm out cooking somewhere, the TiVo will grab that, and I'll definitely be watching it. What about you, Timmy? I will watch it, yes. yeah. Uh, again, barbecue people. Uh, you know, John does a pretty good show. Uh, you know, job with his shows. The, the first uh, Pitmaster season, you know, was I thought was an ideal show. Of course, you know, I think the networks didn't like it, but um, you know, I, I hope hope he can can finagle his way back to something like that. I thought that was a really good format for the show. We are in the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable. We have Doug, we have Shane, and we have Tim sitting in here to give it the backyard flavor that we're looking for tonight. Uh, We're going to get into the prep and all that stuff here. um, But before we do all of that, I'm going to ask everybody what they're uh, cooking on. And we'll start with you, Doug, since you're in studio. What is your cooker of choice? I am cooking with a 22.5-inch Weber Smoky Mountain. 22.5-inch. The big version. I only I, have uh, 18 and a half. Oh, how do you find that cooker? You like it? I, I got the extra large one just in case we have a big party. Uh, it uses more charcoal, but I like it as a beginner. It's very forgiving. What about you, Shane? What are you cooking on? 
Uh, we have a couple of custom pits, but our, our main go-to pit is our uh, Tucker Cooker and, of course, the, uh, the the Big Green Egg. But ribs, it's it's Tucker Cooker for me, hands down. How do you like the Tucker? Love it. That is probably the most versatile and uh, easiest toe-behind cooker there is. Uh, George and Holly of Tucker Cooker, just fantastic people. Just great to work with, and they have a great product. Uh, Tim, what do you cook on, buddy? I've got uh, three. I've got the uh, Weber's 18.5-inch Weber Smoky Mountain. I've got the uh, Fast Eddie's 100, and uh, I've got a Superior Smoker, uh, which is a like a gravity-fed charcoal smoker, um, similar to the Stumps. Um, mainly, uh, I cook my ribs on the Fast Eddie's. I just uh, I like you know the ease of it. I had a big rib cook at home last week and in my backyard, and uh, I used the FE. Do you have a preference over one cooker, or is it it's really specific to meat as far as what's going to go in the specific cooker? I, uh, well, for competitions, um, the Superior always cooked my butts and my briskets. I think it got a deeper smoke flavor to it, and especially with the big cuts of meat. Um, you know, in the competition, I use the FE for the chicken and the, and the ribs. At home, if it's just me and my wife, you know, tenderloin, a couple of racks of ribs or something, I'll use the Weber. But uh, I cooked, I think, about 12, 14 racks last week. So, uh, you know, I used FE for the room. All right. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to mention this. In case you are, uh, if you're not watching on the Ustream for live video feed, we're also being syndicated live right now on OutdoorCookingChannel.com. Thanks to Kevin Bevington. So, uh, Tim and Shane and Doug, you're on many different media outlets all across the interwebs here tonight. So, uh, you're very excited. I, uh, I'm sure I'm speaking for everybody. Uh also, uh, before we get into this uh, meat of the subject, and we're talking about ribs, we'll start with you, Shane. Have you ever eaten any type of exotic rib aside from the, the pork ribs that we so love and desire? Um, I had lamb, and they, they, were, they were pretty tasty. But yeah, I'm pretty much a standard uh, beef or pork rib kind of guy for the most part. What about you, Doug? Uh, lamb in, uh, in Jamaica on our honeymoon, and it was, it, it was like pizza. It was fantastic. It tasted like pizza, or it was good like pizza. Uh, it, it it almost kind of did. <laughs> what about you, Tim? Well, being the hick that I am, it's all just uh, pork ribs and, and some beef short ribs every now and then. All right, <laughs> and, <I> am. <laughs> all right. Uh, now, does any would anybody have an issue with uh, cooking ribs on any type of like gas cooker? Is that not barbecue, Tim? It, it is. I mean. It, you know, when you're talking backyard, I mean, it's whatever you got. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with one of the, the $30 vertical smokers from one of the box stores, you know, to get a little bit of smoke and finish them in the oven. I mean, you know, that's, I mean, no. I mean, you cook what you've got and, uh, you know, figure out whatever you've got to cook with. You figure out how to use it, and you can, uh, you know, as long as it tastes good, I mean, who cares what you're cooking on? What about you, Shane? You have uh, snobbery against the gas people? Uh, I don't. If you can turn out a great product on it, more power to you. Um, I personally prefer them, you know, smoked a little little lower, slower. But, uh, hey, man, if you can fire up something that's got a propane tank to it and uh, outcook me, then then great. I mean, I'm, I'm with uh, – I agree 100%. It's, it's whatever you've got and make the best of it, you know? What do you think, Doug? Um, I've done a pork butt on a gas grill, and I did not like it. It was such a pain. Um after that experience, I ended up, I didn't have a smoker at the time, and I used an oven. So, perfected the uh, the beginning stages of getting into barbecue using an oven. 
All right. Over at the gas grill. We are talking with Doug Killily. T- Killily, right? I'm saying it right. Killily. That's correct. Right. Uh, we have Shane Draper from Draper's BBQ. We have Tim Patton from PD River Swamp Sauce, one of the uh, first time giveaway people ever on the uh, face of the show. So we always appreciate Tim and the PD River Swamp Sauce. Uh, we're going to step away for a break. And we are going to come back with the preparation side of ribs. Again, if you want to jump in on the show, 877-448-0433. You can also email greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Before we run out, let me give you a quick reminder about my good friends over at the Barbecue Guru. Makers of automatic pit temperature control devices, not to mention a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. These are the people that invented automatic pit temperature controls. Why would you look anywhere else? Forget about it. They have four different models for you to choose from. Match your level of geekdom. Match where your wallet is at the current situation. You want wireless stuff and control your cooker from 600 feet away. They got that. They got you all set up, and it's all at thebarbecueguru.com. Two ways to find them. On the internet, thebbqguru.com, or you can call them toll-free, 800-288-GURU. That's 1-800-288-GURU. We will come back with rib prep here on the Barbecue Central Roundtable Ribs Edition. Hang on. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Barbecue Institute classes are taught by Grand Champion Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins. They cover everything from choosing the meat and the cooker to smoking from start to eating. Thousands of our graduates use the knowledge and techniques we teach them for reliably impressing in the backyard and competitive success. We share with you the insider knowledge to meat buying that along with our award-winning sauce and rub recipes will save you the cost of the class many times over. After you take our classes, you'll understand why techniques work and why some advice on the Internet does not. Visit BBQClass.com today. To Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back 20 past the hour. This portion of the show being brought to you by Yoder's Smoky Mountain Barbecue, the leading online retailer of Meadow Creek barbecue equipment. Their barbecue smokers and grills handcrafted in the Amish country of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, helping you enjoy easy and profitable barbecues for years to come. And Doug can attest, profitable barbecues are the best. That's right. Of course they are. Everybody likes money in their pocket. You can find them on the interwebs at SeriousBBQs.com. That's SeriousBBQs because it's plural. Laverne Gingrich and the good folks over at Yoder's Smoky Mountain Barbecue. Got to check out those chicken cookers. I know I say it like every time, but one of the coolest videos to see on their website is that guy flipping over like 50 chicken thighs at one time because of their level lever system. It's outstanding. SeriousBBQs.com, the good folks over at Yoder's Smoky Mountain Barbecue. All right, we're doing the Ribs Roundtable. Uh, in the studio tonight, we have Doug Killily from the beautiful Mayfield Heights. Is it tropical over Mayfield Heights right now? Uh, definitely. Definitely yeah. tropical. We also have Shane Draper from Draper's BBQ. We also have Tim Patton from Petey River Swamp Sauce. Uh, but before we do any of that, guys, let's go ahead and go crazy here and take a phone call. Well, area code 216, name and where you're calling from. Uh, my name is Ross. Ross, how are you tonight, buddy? I'm doing good, doing good. Good. What can I do for you, Ross? I just wanted to call up and say hi. All right. Well, hi. Thanks for calling in. 
Anything else, Ross? <laughs> All right, let's go around the room really quickly. Uh, Doug, on a uh, scale of one to ten, creeper factor. Uh, ten. Shane. Yeah, a good solid nine and a half there. Tim, creeper factor. <laughs> uh, he had to be a ten. Wow, that was really. I was like complimented and freaked out all at the same time. All right. Uh, that was Ross, ladies and gentlemen. And that's a Cleveland area code, by the way, 216. All right. We're going to get into the prep section of the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable. We'll start with Tim. Uh, Tim, do you prefer the spares or the baby backs or perhaps in a backyard situation? Is it the crowd dictating what you're actually going to go buy? Yeah, in my backyard, it's nothing but spares. Uh, and I'll, I'll trim them down to to uh, St. Louis cut. I'll take the trimmings and smoke those, uh, get them nice and tender, pull them apart, and do two things with them. Uh, leftovers, you know, or I'll split it in half, barbecue sandwich for tomorrow, and then the other half I'll chop it up good and fine and put it in my baked beans. What about Definitely you, Shane? spares. What about you, Shane? Um, I, I prefer the, uh, the, the St. Louis when I can get them, but i got to be honest, we, we've been doing a whole lot more baby backs lately just because every time we say we're going to cook, we end up with 35 or 40 racks of ribs that we got to do, and the baby backs are just easier to handle, and they're crowd pleasers, so we, we just go that route for now. Might you switch in the future? Um, if I have more time to prep, and that, that's the thing. I just don't always have time to break down whole slabs into St. Louis, so it's just a lot easier to uh, buy you know, a couple cases of the, uh, the baby backs, pull the silver skin, and toss them on, man. What about you, Doug? I really enjoy the baby backs. Uh, as a kid, we went and uh, traveled all the way down to Weirton, West Virginia to get baby backs from Happy's and uh, Montgomery Inn in Cincinnati. So we really love the baby backs. My dad would you know, drag our butts down there to go get those uh, baby backs, and you know, that's what I stick with. It's easier. Um, Costco sells them, and uh, they come in those three packs. They're great. All right, well, I'm going to align with Tim here, and I know I'm not necessarily supposed to be taking part in the show. I'm just a moderator of... Uh uh, high professionalism, but I really love spare ribs. A because I think you just get more bang for the buck. It's cheaper per pound, and I don't do any of that trimming or anything. I'll just throw uh, whole untrimmed spares onto the cooker, and I think it's really cool when you actually shave off individual ribs to have like a almost a foot long piece of meat sitting on the plate, and you can feed a lot more people for a lot less with whole spares, but that's just my opinion. And I, of course, love to put Draper's uh, sauce, or I'm sorry, Draper's rub and Petey River Swamp Sauce on my all of my ribs. There's no denying that, of course. Uh, all right, uh, let's go back to Doug for this question. How many racks are you uh, typically cooking, would you say? I, I would do between one and three. It depends on if I'm going to have a party. What about you, Shane? Um, I can't remember the last time I did less than 20, 25 at a time. How many people are in your family, Shane? <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, we, we've kind of grown through through Facebook. So I even mentioned that if, if I'm cooking, everyone just emails me orders, man. So we don't cook for family anymore. If, if I want one slab of ribs, I end up firing up th- you know, a couple cookers, and wow. I cook for everybody. <laughs> man, you're so, like the uh, neighborhood favorite, right? Absolutely. Wow. What about you, Timmy? Oh, probably three to five is, is average for home. Now... Uh, I believe most of you mentioned this, but uh, we'll start. We'll go back with Tim here since you just answered. Uh, did you say that you are you are trimming the ribs out to St. Louis style and then smoking those? But are you taking the membrane off the back of that? Always a must. Yeah, it, well, for me it is. Uh, yeah, I will always take off the membrane. Yes. What about you, Shane? Yeah, no, yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely pull it as well. It, the membrane that is uh, not the uh, not the deep beef there, but uh, you know, it, you just got to take it off. I I just can't get around the idea of it being on there when it's cooking. Doug, yeah, absolutely it has to come off. Uh, don't like to bite into a rib and have that membrane on there. Uh, you, you can try to cook it and get it all the way through, but it's just not going to happen. And you lose the flavor. You know, if uh, you take that membrane off and poke it with a fork, you're going to get more flavor. A very wise man who I'll have on the show, I believe, next week, Craig Meathead Goldwyn, called the membrane on the back of a rib a flavor condom. And I think we can all agree that that's probably the case. All right. So do you use a different kind of rub for your ribs than you would for your pork butts if you were cooking them? And we'll start back with duck. Uh, yeah, I uh, have a slight modification. It's not much, but... Uh I'm trying to pull it up here and take a look at my iPad to see what I've got. Do you have, is it your own personal rub that you're using, or are you using a combination of uh, already made rubs to do your ribs? Oh, I always make my own rub. Um, the only difference with the pork butt is I add oregano. That's it. Hmm. All right. What, well, what's in the other, what are your other ingredients if it's not too secret? A quarter cup uh, brown sugar, and I'll let that sugar usually sit out overnight on a sheet pan, let it dry out. Quarter cup pepper, quarter cup paprika, chili powder, salt, garlic powder, onion powder, cayenne. Sounds good. What about you, Shane? Um, for ribs, yeah, I like them pretty sweet. Um, but I'll cut the uh, the what is our AP rub, what I'm making at home that has become the AP rub, with uh, about half a part uh, terminado sugar. So you end up with a little sweeter product that uh, we put on there, and it kind of helps just cure that rib before it hits the uh, the grate. Timmy. I uh, I use a different rub. Uh, I actually use two rubs on my uh, um, on my ribs. I, I put one on at the beginning, let it get wet, then cook it. Then before I wrap it, I put another rub. Um, so yeah, and, and then both of them are completely different than what I put on my pork, and no. and go with the same thing. It's look, you know, they're sweeter. I agree. I think a rib should be sweet, and uh, you know, for home, so or anywhere. I mean, competitions are at home, so yeah, I like a sweet rib. So my rubs are sweeter. Can you let us in on the rub that you're using at home? Yeah. Um, well, I use the competition, too. Um, the the first one that I use, uh, a friend of mine is named Tommy Houston. He's got a uh, he's a cooker, uh, Checkered Pig Barbecue. He's a competition cook. Uh, he's got a restaurant in Martinsville, Virginia. I use his rub um, to season the meat, uh, wait for it to get wet. And then before I wrap it, I put down, and I use, uh, uh, everybody uses, I think, Cimarron Doc sweet, uh, sweet Rib Rub. Yeah. And that, that kind of comes on top. So Tommy's uh, seasons the meat, and the Cimarron Dot kind of gives you that flavor on your tongue when you take the bite. All right, so as you're putting on the rub prior to that, are you using any type of adherent to the meat so that rub really sticks on there? You're just throwing it on the naked slab. We'll go to Shane for that. Um, the the ribs are usually, after we've washed them and everything, are a little damp, so the rub adheres plenty plenty well, man. So we don't really do anything beyond that. What about you, uh, Tim? I I don't use anything. It's kind of the same way. I mean, uh, within you know five minutes, the the it'll be wet enough. And so no, I I don't use mustard or anything like that. Absolutely not. Doug, um, I took a class at the Viking store once, and they recommended using canola oil. So I I tried that, but it does not work. It it actually makes the rub uh, wash off of that uh, that baby back exactly. rib. Exactly, and so. You know, I've been using mustard and I like it, but 
I, I'm still undecided on, uh, you know, I, those guys probably know better than I do that using nothing's probably best. Now, I'm going to weigh in just because I want to, and it's my show. I originally started using uh, Worcestershire sauce and then putting rub on it. I think rub and or pork and Worcestershire sauce actually make a, a pretty good meeting, as well as obviously like beef would, of course. But that acts as a very good inherent on uh, either pork shoulder or pork rib, since we're talking about ribs. And then a very wise man once told me that maybe it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world to use a very high quality, cold-pressed first, extra virgin olive oil on top of the rub or on top of the meat first before you're putting in your rub. So I've started to do that, and uh, my results have been, uh, dare I say, outstanding. But, of course, that's my palate speaking and mine alone. So uh, I do use uh, the extra virgin, or as I term it, the EV olive oil, because I can't say EVOO because Rachel Ray would probably sue me. Uh, but it's EV olive oil is what I like to say. So I do use that inherent on the meat, and it seems to work very well for me. Uh, so, Tim, we'll start uh, back with you on this question. How far in advance do you rub your ribs prior to putting them on the cooker? Uh, two hours, I think, uh, is, is a good time uh, and and what I wait on is you know I put the rub on. I just wait for them to kind of sweat, kind of get wet a little bit. And uh, um, and once they get wet, when I put them on a smoker as they're cooking, I think that that moisture sucks back into the meat. What about you, That's Shane? The reason why I wait hours. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I prefer it uh, no less than an hour. But uh, if you can do it for two to three hours, and and I also like to uh, I'll, I'll occasionally set the ribs kind of you know covered outside and let them come down from refrigerator temp down to a kind of a more regular temp and and it does exactly what he's talking about where they sweat and that rub just really sticks to it well doug um no less than an hour totally agree and i usually shoot for 12 to 14 hours 12 to 14 hours prior to putting them on the cook in in the fridge yep covered uh, aluminum foil aluminum foil yep any any hammy tasting to that at all no i i've had terrific success with it I've, I've loved it what about you two guys uh, that are out there in nowhere land do you ever done it that far in advance tim i have not um i would be a little bit concerned uh, like you said you covered it you asked about the hammy taste and and also uh, and again i mean there's no right i mean it's barbecue so there's no really wrong way but i would be concerned that it would dry out the you know would pull the, the salt would pull the moisture out like the the very top layer of the uh of the rib and possibly make it chewy so no, two, I've never gone. I'm, I've probably you know gone you know longer than two hours. But uh, as, since I've you know refined my craft, so to speak, uh, two hours is all I need. What about you, Shane? You ever gone that far in advance? Yeah, I've I've done it up uh, as far as you know the night before, um, and and I haven't really experienced the the hammy taste. But I will say it does change the texture of uh, of the rib a little bit because it does have a curing effect, especially. You know, with using like something like the AP rub, where I mean, it, it's a it's built to be a little bit of a cure, where it's that nice salt sugar ratio. So you're going to have that drawing effect, you know, on on the rib. All right, great, uh, great input there, guys. Did you want to rebut to that, Doug? At all? The only thing I would add is is the the rub recipe that I'm using is not heavily loaded with the salt, so um, that'd be probably one difference, and probably one of the reasons I can get away with that 12 uh, hours I've been doing. All right, anybody letting their ribs come up to room temperature before you start actually adhering the rub? Obviously, Doug is probably not going to meet that criteria since it's in the uh, refrigerator for a long. But you ever let ribs sit out to warm up a little bit before you start rubbing it out? Oh, that sounded bad. Go ahead. Oh, my. Doug, no? Um, uh, no. No? All right. What about you, Shane? 
Um, no, I, after I put the rub on, I don't mind them letting sit and come up to room temperature, but I don't necessarily wait for them to come up before I put the rub on them. Tim? That's the same way. I, I don't, I'll leave them, let them sit out and, and warm up, but never warm them up before I put the, rib, uh, the rub on them. No. Okay. Now, I've heard that at 140 degrees, when that meat hits that temperature, it, it doesn't really absorb the smoke anymore. So I, I'll even sometimes pop it in the freezer, uh, covered with aluminum foil for maybe 10, 15 minutes. That tops. And then pull it out and put it on, just so it stays colder longer in the smoker. And then gets a bigger up. smoke ring? Yeah, it gets, gets a bigger smoke ring. Gotcha. All right, um, let me see here. Move to the next page. Okay, now... I, when I first devised these questions a long, 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 long time ago, I thought I was kind of being a little bit kooky. But as things progress, and of course, as we look at the competition side of things, things have changed uh, rapidly over the last five years or so. Any of you guys brining or injecting? And when we say injecting ribs, you know, everybody wants to laugh out loud, but there's you know a guy that's giving stuff away here on the show, uh, Smokey Yokies, who makes a sweet smoking swine brine and rib inject. So... There's obviously a faction of people out there that are starting to inject ribs, and we'll start with Shane. Ever brined or injected ribs? I, I don't, although I have to say when uh, when you see folks like uh, Diva Q saying, heck yeah, I do everything I can to, to inject or brine, um, it makes you take a second glance at it. I've never felt the need to. I've never felt that my ribs weren't juicy enough or missing anything uh, flavor or moisture-wise to, to feel compelled to brine or inject them, honestly. What about you, Doug? Ever got that no, I've, inkling? I've, the meat tastes like the meat should, and never had right, the inkling to do that at all. Uh, on a pork butt, yes. Uh, ribs, no. So if I gave you a bag of sweet smoky Oakies, swine brine and rib uh, inject, is that something that you would at least try? I would not? absolutely. I, I was actually thinking on the way over. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. uh, Tim, inject or brine ribs ever? No, I've never injected nor brined. I've seen people who inject them, yes, but uh, I've never, again, I've never seen the need for it. And, uh, you know, if, if you get, you know, a couple layers of flavor with the sauce, yeah, you know, nah, you don't need, I don't think you need to. But I would try the uh, the brine, I mean the soak, if you want to send me some as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. Have you, have you tasted any of the ribs that have been injected before, Tim? No, um, you know, competition cooks are kind of, you know, it's funny that, you know, that I actually saw what he was doing, but, uh, you know, I guess probably if I'd have asked him, you know, to try one of his ribs, they, he probably would have let me, but no, I didn't try it. Um, you know, I, I've never tried his ribs, no. All right, once more around the room here before we close out the prep cooking section, and anything else preparatory-wise that you're doing to the ribs before we actually move them to the cooker, we'll go back to Tim. No, I mean, that's it. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I trim some, you know, some of the spare, some of them I don't, and, um, uh, Depends on how many I'm cooking, but uh, no, I, I you know I just trim them, uh, pull the membrane off, and put the rub on them, and, and two hours later they're in the smoke. All right, I'm going to actually interrupt here because uh, we have a call coming in. Uh, Erico two one six, name and where you're calling from. Oh, uh, Don. Don, how are you tonight? Don from Cleveland. Don, how, how are you? Doing? Hi, Don. Hi, All right, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, you? baby. Woo! All right, go ahead, Don. That's right. That's right. Um. Now, I'm not quite the professional at cooking ribs or anything along those lines. Let's turn this down because we got a weird feedback here. Yeah, are you listening to the um, show at the same time you're calling in there, buddy? I, I am, I Yeah, am, you're going to need to kill first that. First-time listener, first-time caller. All right, good job. First-time listener, first-time caller. Um, first-time, long-time. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm, 
I'm, I'm looking for some advice because what I'm doing is in two weeks, me and a few of my buddies were going down to Tornado Alley, what happened down there near Coleman, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. We're going down to Leakesville. And we're, we're cooking for all the people that are helping rebuild Tornado Alley. We got nine grills we're actually currently making right now. They'll be done probably by next weekend. Uh-huh. We're, we're looking to bring them all down there. We're cooking up 600 slabs of ribs, corn, potatoes, all that stuff. I'm looking to get some advice, I guess, on how to make these the best ribs they can be. Because, I mean, these people are doing a good thing, and I'm trying to get some, you know, get them some good food while they're down there working. All right, so very vague question there, but let's go ahead and try and help you out if we possibly can. What specific information are you looking for? I'm looking for some good spices. I got some spices I've been playing with. I, I've been using some Diarble. I, guess, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Diarble, it's like a chili pepper, smoky kind of sauce. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's mainly, it's kind of spicy, kind of spicy. I've been rubbing that on there. I've been, I've been making ribs for two weeks now, trying to find the right kind of, you know, ingredients and stuff to use. And um, I, I guess what I'm thinking is, I mean, what's the best way to prep these ribs? Can I prep them early and bring them down there? Should I prep them? We're going to be down there a day before we start cooking. Uh, what can we do? Yeah, I certainly have no idea cooking 600 racks of ribs. The only person I can think of to possibly turn and get any type of insight is going to be our man from South Carolina, Tim Patton from Petey River Swamp Sauce. Tim, if you're dealing with that amount of ribs, uh, are you looking at trying to trim them up uh, or at least take the membranes off? Are you not taking membranes off at that point? What do you think? Uh, no, I, I really think that with cooking that many re, uh, ribs, I would just I would throw them on membranes and all. Unless you've got an army that, that is helping you, you know, to prep, I would say, you know, you would have to. I mean, I just don't see how you could have the time to pull. You know, you'd be out there, you know, three hours just pulling membranes. Um, right. I would I would say just, um, no, I mean, no, no pulling membranes, uh, seasonings. I would keep it as simple as you could. Um, just a good uh, a salt, pepper, and garlic powder or something like that. Get up with some of Greg's uh, sponsors, some of the folks who have rubs and stuff, and if they hear what you're doing, you know, they would probably donate, you know, a gallon of rub here and a gallon of rub there. Might not be enough to do all 600, but, you know, you might have, you know, this company give some, this company give some, so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, like me, I mean. Yeah, we've been having a lot of help from a lot of churches. (laughs) Right. A lot of churches Um, and donating a lot of stuff, and we got a lot of stuff going on good. Right. Well, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much got it covered. Uh, the biggest thing I would say, uh, you're not going to be able to wrap. I mean, you know, re- when I cook ribs, I wrap them, but I don't cook but six or 12. You're cooking 600. I don't think you would have time nor the, you know, to, to wrap 600 racks of ribs and make them perfect. Uh, keep your temperature, you know, 225 or below, you know, 220, 225. Uh, don't wrap them. And, uh, you know, when you think they're done, then you slap the sauce on them for another 30 minutes, and then I think you'll be good to go. But uh, you're going to need every shortcut that you can have, and that's, you know, to get 600 on the grill and get them done. Yeah, I think the bottom line here is the fact that, Don, uh, of course, we all appreciate the fact that you're actually going down there to do that, cook that amount of ribs. And the people are going to be very appreciative regardless of, you know, how the finished product is going to be coming out. Nobody's going to be coming up and uh, telling you you did something wrong or that you, you cut a corner here or cut a corner there. Uh, so I think everybody's going to be right. very appreciative of this thing. Uh, and I think, obviously, the best information I can give you, Don, is the fact that you want to just lay out and listen to the rest of the show and kind of glean all the information that you can here and, and implement that here uh, as you're headed down there. 
well, you guys all seem real knowledgeable. You know, you're Greg, obviously. You got Tim and Dave or whoever that is. Who's there with yeah, that's, Dave? That's Doug. Doug, Doug. Hi, Doug. Hi. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, every, you know. Keep on. Uh, we're, keep... just, we're just trying to go down there, do some good stuff. Uh, we're actually getting, we got Dairyman's Ice Tea is one of our sponsors. They're donating ice tea. We're going to bring that down there. Great. We're, uh, we, yeah, we got a nice little thing going on. All right. Well, uh, Don, good luck to you. And uh, like I said, just kind of lay out and listen to all the information and then put it to use when you're down there. All right, buddy? I'll be listening all night. All right. Thanks for calling in tonight. It's Don. All right. A lot of Cleveland people calling in tonight for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Tim, thanks for the impromptu uh, 600 rib advice. Uh, Shane, did you have anything to add aside from buy droves of Draper's Rub? Yeah, buy that uh, by the double. Actually, I would like to add something. I mean, if he's going to go down there and do that, um, we'll do what we can to help him out. If he'll, uh, if he'll email me at uh, Shane at DrapersBBQ.com, I'll do what I can to, to help him out with some rub. I don't know that I can supply enough for 600 ribs uh, on short notice, but we'll do what we can. The The only other advice I would give him is since he's making these cookers and you're doing that many ribs and don't want them to dry out, um, I would really consider something about a water, you know, maybe a water pan. Or something in there to help steam, you know, that that cooker a little mm-hmm. bit and keep it more moist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, and again, I, uh, obviously, this is uh, as phone calls come in. I get there's no like screener to have me validate who's calling in or not. I can't necessarily tell you that this guy is actually doing that. If he's just trying to put one over on us, uh, I'm always fifty fifty on callers. Uh, so he's either doing a very great thing or he's a complete a-hole uh, saying that he's going down to do that, and he's actually not. So I'm hoping it's the latter. Or, I'm sorry, the, the former instead of the latter. Uh, so good luck to Don and uh, if he's actually out there doing that. And as Shane said, get in contact with him if you're uh, ready to do that. So let's uh, go ahead and I uh, forget where we even uh, stopped off at. I think we went to you, Tim, right, as far as anything else you're doing preparatory-wise for the rims. That is, yeah, that's correct. That was me. All right, Shane. Uh, anything else you're doing to the ribs before going to the cooker? Um, out of just habit uh, for competition, just kind of making them more, a little more uniform. Even though I do a lot of baby backs, I mean, I'm going to trim any chunks of fat or anything like that. But other than that, it's uh, it's rub and throw them on the pit, man. Doug? Um, the only thing I would add is, and this is through just learning experience, at, at the beginning I was putting on way too much rub on my ribs and ended up you know, finding a guy that said, just put on a tablespoon each side on a baby back. And ended up you know, finding that's a little too light, so I'd use about two tablespoons of rub on each side. And I actually use a shaker to put it on there so it goes on nice and uh, even. All right, so uh, that is it for the preparatory portion. We're going to get into the cooking segment here uh, after we... Oh, man, Tim, how did you show up like that? What did you, pay extra money to get your ad on there or something? Uh, We're going to step away really quick. We're going to come back, how you cook these bad boys. After that, we'll get into how you're serving them to your friends and family. Quick reminder about my good friend Stephen DeFranco Jewelers right here in historic downtown Willoughby. Jeweler to the stars and the Barbecue Central stars, that's what I mean. You get a fine timepiece, handcrafted watch, uh, all the stuff that you need, and you can get them at great prices. It's uh, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, that's who it is. Uh, All you need to do is go to the BCRN website, check out their banner down at the bottom, click on that. Peruse the watches, peruse his whole website, and then you just need to call in, tell them you're a Barbecue Central Radio Show fan, and they will hook you up with a huge-ass discount. You won't be sorry that you did it. He's a barbecue guy first and a awesome retailer of jewelry second. It's Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. I know him personally. I've done a bunch of business with him, at least tens and twenties of dollars worth of business at Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Again, find his banner on the Barbecue Central Radio Network website. Click on it, peruse what you want, and then call in for your best pricing. 
It is Stephen DeFranco Jeweler in beautiful downtown Willoughby, Ohio. We're going to come back with the cooking section next. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. future of barbecue is already here at thebarbecueguru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy knockdown smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose, like ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetables, smoked cheese, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. The BarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a 3-Bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. Uh, about 10 till the hour. Don't forget, if you are sick of looking at me on the Ustream side, you can always head on over to OutdoorCookingChannel.com. My man Kevin Bevington of HomeBBQ.com is also simulcasting. The Barbecue Central Radio Network soon to take over the world, baby. If not the internet. Probably just the internet. But that's all right. What's up to Hot Sauce Chick? Everybody there on the Ustream chat side as well. We are doing the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable. We have... Doug Killalee from Mayfield Heights, Ohio. He is in studio. Doug, what's up? What's up? We also have Shane Draper from Draper's Barbecue Rub, and we have Tim Patton from Petey River Swamp Sauce uh, all helping us out here. Uh, this is obviously going to bleed over into the second hour, so in case you have anything to do, get it done now so you can continue to listen with us uh, during the 10 o'clock hour in uh, what is affectionately known as the After Dark segment. All right, so we've uh, gone ahead and prepped the ribs and get them ready for the cooker. Doug, we'll start with you. What kind of wood do you like to use for smoke flavor on your ribs? Uh, I like to use a little bit of hickory um, and cherry or apple, something light. I don't want, you know, my wife doesn't like it, you know, real heavy with the smoke. Uh, and it, the first couple of times I did it, it way too much smoke. I did mesquite that was way too strong for me. So I really like the hickory uh, in combination with apple or cherry. What about you, Shane? A uh, very similar flavor profile. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, pecan uh, mixed with just about anything. But uh, pecan and oak or pecan and hickory are just some of my favorites personally. Is pecan very easy to come by where you're at? Because I don't think you can really find that up here. Yeah, it's not as easy as it could be. Uh, fortunately, in our backyard, we have some trees losing limbs, and uh, it seems to work out that that's, <laughs> that goes in the smoker. What about you, Tim? What do you like, wood-wise? Uh, about the same flavor, a little bit of hickory and a lot of peach. Uh, and the peach is very similar to the apple cherries and the pecan. It's a lot milder. It's a real sweet smoke. Um, you know, so I'm a big peach fan. I will, I will weigh in on this portion, too. I'm a 100% believer in applewood, applewood, applewood. 
with just a small hint of hickory to because uh, I think hickory plays very well with anything that has to do with pork, but uh, mostly apple, exclusively apple on almost everything else. Uh, so that's what your faithful host likes to do. What temperature do you like to keep the pit at when you're cooking ribs? And we'll start with Shane. Um, I'm a 225 kind of guy. Um, if I'm in a hurry, I'll push to 250, but generally 225. Doug? Uh, 225, exactly. Uh, it, it, again, if you're in a rush, maybe I would wrap it in some foil and pump it up a little bit and try to get it done, but 225. Timmy? About the same. Uh, 225, I, if it's 240, it's not going to hurt my feelings, you know, too much. Um, you know, and but, I, you know, I always cook a wet rib, which, you know, um, but I do think it's a real important key that if you want to cook the Memphis dry, you know, the dry ribs, I think 225 or a little bit less, you know, 220, somewhere around in there, you, you know, uh, if you go too hot, if you're trying to cook a dry rib, which generally you want to wrap, you know, I think you do need to keep it, you know, good low, 220, 225. Now, usually I'm cooking on Weber Smoky Mountain, so I like to keep the dome temperature right around 250 and I found through other means of also monitoring grill temperature that that keeps me right around the 240-degree range, which for me seems to work awfully well. And uh, so I'll, I'll cook a little hotter than most of you guys, and that's fine with me. Uh, at some point during the cook, do you purposely foil the ribs? I'm not talking about if you're in a hurry or something has gone awry and you're going to do it, but is this part of the method of cooking ribs? For me, 100% stone cold lead pipe lock that I'm going to foil the ribs, depending on if they're uh, spares, which I, I love, or baby back ribs, at least for an hour, maybe hour and a half to two, depending on how big they are. But anybody else always foiling ribs to get that finished product that you're looking for will go to Shane Draper. Always, always, always. Uh, I, I serve the same rib that we do in competition. I made the mistake of doing that to some friends and family. And uh, that's the only way they will eat ribs now. So every rib, all 30 of them, gets foiled sometimes. And, man, that stinks doing it. But it's just who we are, and we refuse to turn out anything less than just the best we can. Reynolds Wrap has to have you on their Christmas card lift, Shane. Uh, now nah, the big bulk heavy-duty roll from Sam's is, is our favorite. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what about you, Doug? You uh, wrapping on purpose? Um, I've tried wrapping at the end and, you know, maybe throwing some honey or butter or maple sugar in there to add some flavor. Um, but I, I've really tried to stick with not using foil. But I could I could definitely tell a difference when I did use foil. It made it more moist. Uh, and, and, you know, but I, I guess it's more of a challenge to me to try to do it without foil. But it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm indifferent. Tim Patton in the backyard, wrapping as always, or no? Yes, if I'm in my, I mean, anytime. If if I again, I I cook wet ribs, I, you know, so I I don't have a problem wrapping. I think it does make for a better product. But again, I mean, it, you know, I've I've tried it all. I've tried the you know the dry ribs or you know the dry ribs. Um, you know, and I, I do think if you're cooking, if you're trying to cook a dry rib, I don't. You know, I think you need to stay away from the foil. I think it does mess up the bark, which is the purpose of the dry rib. So, yeah, I mean, if I for me, yeah, tin foil is your friend. Tin foil, it is at least for me. Uh, Doug had just alluded to that, so we're going to come back to him here in just a second. We'll go back to Shane to start out. When you foil the rib, are you adding anything into the foil to give it any type of flavor profile or, or adding, as one of the darlings of the barbecue community, Captain Morgan would say, layers of flavor to the rib uh, during that foiling process? 
Yeah, I, I think I was heavily influenced very early on. I read uh, one of uh, Ray Lamke's books, and and just uh, everything that guy said just cemented in my head. And then I took what he kind of recommended the whole three, two, one sort of method, and then ending with the foil and putting some liquid and honey and stuff in there. Uh, whether it be apple juice or whatever, in with the foil packet and letting them steam for just a little bit. It just seems to work out really well for me. Uh, and then I'll pull them out of the foil and finish them that way to kind of bring them more back toward the, the middle ground so they're not just a uh, completely steamed, you know, fall-apart mess. Doug, you mentioned that you had added some stuff in the foil when you were doing it. Yeah. If you're going to use the foil, is that are you looking to put something in there? Or are you just going to foil it to, to kind of steam them up a little bit? I, I'd foil it to steam it up, and I've tried – I tried uh, – just, just real quick – tried the brown sugar, and I didn't like it. I, I really prefer the honey over the brown sugar. I think it had a better effect. Um, but overall, I, I would just cover them. You know, I mean the rub is the rub in it, and, and the meats should taste like the meat. You know, maybe I would agree apple juice would be great. Maybe apple cider vinegar would be good. What about you, Tim? You adding anything to the foil as you're wrapping it up? Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said before, I wrap them. I I do put another layer of the you know the rub down because I do think you, it, the when you wrap it, I think you the steam and all. I think you lose a little bit of flavor, so I think you've got to add it back plus add another layer. So yes, definitely, I add some more you know some more rub. I don't do the honey or the sugar, but I do you know I do add the more rub. All right, I'm going to go off the board here for a second. I'm going to blow everybody away for backyard barbecue ribs. And I got this idea from uh, the boys over at Whiskey Bent Barbecue. So I've got to give them a special mention. But the last three or four times that I've actually done my ribs, because I always consistently foil because just the kind of guy I am, I'll put a, a very good dosing of uh, parquet or whatever, like country crock, whatever the hell I have in the uh, in the refrigerator, over the ribs, and it kind of melts in. And then I'll go ahead and heavy hand some brown sugar all over the top of it. And then there's this bottle of uh, stuff called tiger sauce. Maybe you've heard of it. It's kind of like a, a hot, sweet uh, type of uh, liquid. And it's not hot sauce per se, but it's got a, a really nice flavor. It goes well in a bunch of different stuff. I kind of drizzle that over the top, and then I'll put the meat down on uh, on the foil wrap it up so the meat uh, is faced down towards the water pane if you will on the Weber Smoky Mountain uh, maybe it's just me but these have been some of the best ribs that I have ever done not having to actually glaze anything with sauce but it really sets a, a great color on the rib and there is this extraordinary flavor that is coming through that I haven't had prior to doing it so uh, I do add those three ingredients uh, to my rib process at home, and I have very distinguished and discerning palates in the house because I'm in with three other women. I'm sorry, wait, four <laughs> other women. I'm sorry, a wife and three daughters. So, uh, whoa, hold on a second here. Lost track of time. Uh, we do have uh, discerning palates here, so I'm not looking to shock anybody's mouth uh, because I will get yelled at and beaten down to a bloody pulp. Worth a try at least one time as you're doing stuff in the backyard, and that's just my opinion. Uh, how long are you keeping them wrapped? And I suppose that's going to be dependent on what kind of a rib you're using. And we'll go to Tim for that first. Right. Do you carry a uh, gun in your boot also? <laughs> no, I carry a Glock 26 on my hip. <laughs> that, that sounds very familiar to a big, tall Texan, uh, what he does in competitions. Um, but... Uh, uh, yeah, you know, the how long they wrap it, it depends. It's usually anywhere from an hour and a half, maybe to two hours, depending on the size. Uh, I like a, a big meaty rib, so mine are usually, you know, two and a half pounds or larger. So, you know, hour and a half to two hours. What about you, Shane? How long are you wrapping them for? 
Yeah, for the baby backs, um, I'm at I'm at that hour and a half, two hour mark. Um, and I was it's so funny because I just I, I I was thinking the same thing about a uh, about trig there uh, when when you guys brought up the butter, but uh, <laughs> I have yet to try that. But I, I definitely I definitely want to. I just got so stuck in the uh, the Doctor Barbecue way of doing things. It just uh, permeated everything I do that uh, I. It just works, and I haven't departed from it yet. Well, I had never really thought that it was going to actually add uh, that much of a difference to the rib, but I think the combination between the butter and the brown sugar and then that unique tiger sauce, which I can get at the Giant Eagle, and you can probably get it at whatever uh, large chain grocery store you have, it seems to, in my taste, and we all know everybody's palate is different. you got to trust your pal as far as you know what tastes good for you and, and what doesn't. But, I mean, for me, it, it really added a, a unique flavor profile to the rib, and I, there's no way I would ever compete. But in the competition world of the backyard, that seems to be what's winning in my house. So, you know, I mean, if it's, uh, you get a hair up your ass and you want to try it on you know one weekend and depart, I think that's at least worth a try, and you'll see what it happens. What about you, Doug? Um, I, you know, I'll do maybe 30, 45 minutes. And, you know, I, I know you like the, uh, the brown sugar. I, I've been a fan of the, the honey. And really uh, what, I'll, what I'd like to do at the very end, I've not experimented with this yet, is maybe take it out of the foil for like the last 10 minutes, throw in a little bit of smoke, you know, throw in a little bit of wood and smoke it. And, just, and you just blast it at the end. Yeah. I, depending on how, co- how close I've cut actually bringing the ribs in and, you know, people just want to eat and they don't care what the process actually is, as most people don't in the backyard. They just want to eat what's good and what's free. Uh, but I will take them out at least for a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes out of the foil and then, quote unquote, let them dry up on the Weber Smoky Mountain. And then, of course, the 25 minutes before I actually take them off, I'll go ahead and glaze them with sauce. I usually do half with sauce, half without, but I'm getting ahead of myself, actually, and I'm the host. That's terrible of me. How do you know when the ribs are done? And we'll go to Tim. That's, uh, that's a pretty easy question. I, I think they've got two built-in timers. Uh, one is the bones. Um, you know, of course, the meat should pull back some, but you can, you know, you can feel the resistance or the lack of resistance when twisting the bones. And also on the backside of the rib, after you, where you pull the membrane off, that that layer of skin that's that's left back there, you can you can watch it, and it'll kind of start to split a little bit. And you can see it, and once it starts splitting, I think that's you know that's telling you that it's almost falling off the bone. So you know, test it by the uh, by the bone, and uh, then the and the skin on the backside. What about you, Shane? Yeah, I mean, he, he nailed it. I mean, they, they they'll tell you when they're done, and it's done when it is done. Uh, and and not that uh, KCBS stuff where it's uh, necessarily got to be a perfect bite off the bone, but I like mine a little more a uh, little more well done than that typically. Well done as in fall off. Uh, almost. I mean, they need to hang on the bone. I don't. I don't want them. You know, you just pick up the bone and it just fall apart. But at the same time, if I if I go to bite into it and uh, more than just my the spot where I was actually physically biting comes away, I'm not upset. You know, it's uh, I don't want to fight with the rib, but at the same time. I don't. I, I like my rib, you know, done. What about you, Doug? Um, I prefer it to be done. You know, it, it's fall off the bone. That's okay with me. If it's, you know, it, it's got a little. If it's clamping down on there and it's hard to get off, I, I prefer to just overcook it a little bit. So it's it's definitely going to fall off uh, more than anything else. But you know, I'm an amateur. I've I've not done this. You know, uh, I'm not doing twenty racks of ribs at a time. Um, just trying to appease the wife and my friends and. You know, that fall off the bone is definitely what everyone's after. 
Here's what I do, and I learned this uh, again from a, another great barbecue cook. I'll take the rack, assuming uh, sometimes in at least the Weber Smoky Mountains, I'll cut the racks in half, and I'll actually use rib racks if I'm cooking for the masses. But if it's just you know the three racks of spare rib or baby backs that you would get from BJ's or the the two pack of spares that you get from BJ's. Uh, and I'm cooking whole slabs, I'll actually take um, tongs and I'll slide uh, the underside tong underneath the middle of the rack of the ribs. I'll pick it up. And if the meat starts cracking in the center of the rack, then to me, that's done. Uh, Obviously, you're getting some shrinkage from uh, either of the bones or whatever. But if the meat starts to crack and you get that nice bend in the rack, uh, to me, they're done. I'll sauce them up and uh, bring them in. So, that's just my personal opinion. We'll go back to Doug for this. Uh, yeah, Doug- you can you can tell by looking. At it. I agree with the other guys that uh, you can tell by looking. You can see a crack, and you, you you'll start to see some of that rib pull apart. You, clearly, a crack, and you can try picking it up and seeing it flex. But you can just tell. You can see that bone pull back, and uh, you can see more of that bone over time. A quarter inch to you know anything above that, it's done. You know. Anybody setting a, a sauce or a glaze prior to taking the ribs off the cooker? Doug, you do that. Yeah, I uh, you know honey and sauce, you know that's that's what I'll glaze it up. I, I prefer them wet, so you know I know that that's one of the things I do in competition, but uh, I prefer that at home too. Shane, you setting a glaze at all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, the ribs aren't ribs for me without uh, some some of our sauce on there. What um, kind of and, sauce are you using and, out there, Shane? Uh, the smoking sauce from uh, that, that cool company called Jerkish Barbecue. Yeah. I heard they're a budding and, and I, budding company. I heard. They, we're, we're trying. We're trying hard. Um, I, I also like to cut that with a little bit of honey as well, depending on if I want more of a glaze or just a, a really thick, you know, marinara, almost thick sauce, you know? What about you, Tim? You setting a glaze uh, or saucing the ribs prior to bringing them into the house for everybody to eat? Oh, yeah. Once, uh, once they're done, I usually light them, you know, rest in a cooler or, you know, or, or just rest like you would do any any meat. You know, 30 minutes or so. But, yeah, I'll let them rest, and I'll sauce them, put that back on, and when the sauce is thick and sticky, then it's time to take them in the house and enjoy So you let the – I'm afraid I'm going to diverge here, but that's all right. You're going to let the ribs rest? Like, do you wrap them back up in foil and put them in a dry cooler like you would a pork butt or a brisket for a competition or what? Yeah, I well, yeah, I cook them. Uh, I finish them. When they're done, they're still wrapped up. And, uh, you know, I'll just unwrap them and check the, you know, check see when they're done. And so, yeah, I just leave them in the, in the tinfoil and I'll, you know, I'll put them in the cooler and let them, you know, let them rest, get everything else done, get the bread done, get the salad done, you know, whatever. And then, you know, and then, well, you know, yes, but I'll definitely let them sit and rest. Hmm. So are you perhaps even taking them off? prior to them prior to like a, a certain amount of time beforehand because there's got to be some type of carryover cooking in the foil right uh yeah there probably is a little bit but that you know i'm sure there is but uh it's i just you know i i know if we're going to eat at six o'clock you know i want ribs done by five so they can rest and you know for 30 minutes or 45 minutes and i can put the sauce on them and mm-hmm. you know because especially when you're having you know friends over you don't want to tell them you're going to eat at 6 and then try to have the ribs done at 6. So, you know, tell them you're going to eat at 6, have the ribs done at, at 5 o'clock. So, you know, there's nothing wrong. I don't I don't mind letting them sit and rest. And, you know, and they will tender up a little bit. And they'll also, you know, they, they'll be tender, but they'll also kind of tighten back up a little bit onto the bone, if that makes sense. That's one of those competition things that, mm-hmm. you know, that's... But, yeah, definitely get them done early and let them rest and then, yeah, and then sauce them. Put them back on and then get the rest of the meal together. 
All right, Shane, anything else that you're doing that we haven't covered in the cooking portion of the show? Um, we do the same thing. When the ribs come off, because we do so many, they'll be full wrapped, and we'll literally just rick them in a cooler and uh, deliver them where people will pick them up or, or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I actually love wrapping them in foil and letting them sit in the cooler for a good 45 minutes to an hour or more. They're still warm, not you know, not blazing hot or anything, but they're still warm when you go to eat them, you know, uh, an hour or so later. And and I, I agree with with Tim there that they 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 pull back to the bone a little bit, but it's still a very 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 tender uh, rib, you know, when you do that. What about you, Doug? Doing anything else prior to um, getting them off? I'm usually too impatient, um, but I definitely find that you know letting them sit and rest in that foil definitely makes them more tender um, and firm up. It they're dead on, you know, spot on there. What about you, Tim? Anything else that you're doing prior to bringing them off the cooker and uh, getting them into the ribs, or getting them in there That's to it, eat? Man. That's it. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think I covered everything. Yeah. After they rest a little bit, I put sauce back on them and we'll set the sauce, and then uh, take them in and slice them. And yep, that's it. That's cool. All right, uh, we're going to do one more break here before we go into the serving side of things. You're listening to the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. We have Tim Patton from Petey River Swamps Off. We have Shane Draper from Draper's BBQ. We have Doug Killily from Mayfield Heights, Ohio. Doug, do you sell any barbecue stuff? No, I don't. All right. <laughs> Finally, somebody that's not hawking stuff here on the show, and he's right here in studio. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll see how we serve them up. We'll get some side suggestions, all the good stuff. And we'll do it here in about three minutes. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Forget going from site to site to get all of your barbecue and grilling supplies and make your first and final stop at fredsmusicandbarbecue.com. In the market for a new barbecue pit, we have all the big name brands like Big Green Egg and more. As a matter of fact, Fred's is staffed by eggheads and carries all the parts and accessories for the Big Green Egg. More of a pellet head, you say? Fred's is the pellet grill superstore with grills in stock from Traeger, Green Mountain, and country smokers from Louisiana Grills. Fred's also carries smokers from Cook Shack, Bradley, and Weber, as well as a full line of charcoal grills. And once you're outfitted with your new smoker or grill you'll find absolutely everything you need to make your barbecue or grilling experience a success fred is also the creator and distributor of tasty licks barbecue products including their great line of rubs spices and sauces you gotta try them and you can also get your hands on a full lineup of marinades accessories lump charcoal wood chips pellets chunks and even the great grilling tools from Stephen reichland of barbecue you fame check out fred on the web at fred's music and or check out their fully stocked showroom in beautiful shillington pa Introducing Cosmos Q. Cosmos Q injections and marinades use only the finest ingredients, and they mix easily, never clotting or caking. From our beef injection to our pork injection, you're guaranteed to wow your friends, family, and judges. And don't forget to check out our Cosmos Chicken Soak for that moist and tender chicken you're going to love. And don't forget about Cosmos' new pork soak and rubs. <laughs> <clears throat> you can find us at Cosmos Big Name Interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, so as I'm looking at the clock, technically we are in the after-hour segment, but there's been no formal intro to that, so we'll keep that on the lowdown. We're talking barbecue ribs roundtable tonight. 
case you were uh, late to the show, we have Shane Draper from Draper's Barbecue. DrapersBBQ.com is his website. Tim Patton from PD River Swamp Sauce, and that's SwampSauce.com. Then we have Doug Killalee from Mayfield Heights, Ohio. Hot Sauce Chick is ducking out already. Forget it. What are you talking about? Hey, Doug, do you know who that is on the backside of that sound effect? No, I didn't catch that. Uh... Hold on a second here. You got to know. Four segment free for all music. Ready? <laughs> See if you can figure out who this is. Son of a bitch. Ready? Get that big stuff out of here. Mr. T? Well, that's Austin Carr. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Cavalier Grade, you from Cleveland or what? Outrageous. <laughs> All right, uh, we're coming back here with the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable. And again, we're joined by Tim Patton, uh, Shane Draper, and Doug Killalee talking about now bringing them actually off the cooker, getting ready to consume. Uh, so as you're plating ribs, uh, I mean, what are we doing here? You just throw them on as full racks and have the people go at it like crazy, mad, ravenous dogs? Or are you going individual ribs? Are you going halves or quarters? Where are you at on that, Shane? Um, it depends on who we're serving. But uh, my son and I, he's, he's, he's nine, and we'll eat a rack of ribs apiece by ourselves. Wow. So uh, we're, we're pretty ravenous. <laughs> no, uh, no, like, uh, foo-foo plating tricks with uh, tablescapes and all that crap? No, man, we're, uh, we're, we're too redneck for that. We just like to enjoy the, uh, the, the barbecue and the beer. All right. What about you, Tim? You doing uh, anything crazy when you're doing that? Nah, uh, no. When I, when I cut on, uh, put on a platter, I, I cut two bones at a time. So, um, you know, the, I rib usually has 12 bones, so I cut it in six pieces, um, you know, for, for serving. Every now and then I get a little crazy, and I do a California cut just to kind of mess with people that they're kind of new, you know, if they've never um, – you know, if they've never been around or anything, you know, the California cut is take out every other bone and cut it where that bone used to be. So you get a lot of meat on that one bone. But, uh, you know, I just do that to mess with people sometimes. But usually it's just uh, cut two bones, put them on the platter. Is it messing with them in, in a good way or a bad way? Oh, that's a good way. I mean, they pick it up and they got one, you know, they got one bone in their hand. But, uh, you know, they got the meat from almost three, you know, from, you know, from two and a half ribs. They, you know, it just, you know, wow, these are really big ribs. So, you know. <laughs> Just uh, one of those hick things we do down here. Uh, you call them California cut. I've, heard, I've also heard them called Cadillac cuts. I, I think it's uh, yeah, it's all the same. I, I learned the the term California cut, but uh, yeah, Cadillac cut. I think is the same thing. Yeah. What about you, Doug? You doing anything special for presentation? Uh, the only thing I'll do, I don't know what, about the other guys, but you can try to use a knife, uh, a good sharp knife, and cut them. Sometimes I'll just take the electric, uh, what we used to cut the turkey on Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. I'll just cut them down. You know, try to get good good centering on it and uh you know maybe some sam adams and some whiskey there you go wow two of my favorite things what do you like to see in regards to sides to complement the ribs or could possibly they be a meal in itself and we'll go back to tim on that uh the greatest southern thing in the world is is homemade potato salad homemade coleslaw and then of course baked beans i mean you can't have barbecue without those three things now, is your coleslaw creamy, or are you vinegar guy, or is it mustard sauce, or what? Uh, it is definitely it's creamy. It's uh, it's creamy with sweet pickles and a little bit of sugar. What about you, Shane? What do you like to see on the side? Um, baked beans or in a baked potato are great. Um, but more times than not, we just we're, we're more carnivores, so we just have a whole rack of ribs and uh, skip the sides more times, you know, than than we are to probably admit. 
What about you, Doug? Uh, Christine will usually make it's 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 great. It's a great barbecue side. It's bar it's broccoli with a little bit of cheddar, uh, shredded cheddar, uh, some uh, some little cranberries. I mean, it's it's fantastic, and a little apple cider vinegar in there. Whatever she does to it, it's fantastic, and you know it's got vegetables, so I feel like I'm uh, being good for the day. Right, and it kind of offsets the amount of pork you're about to put in your belly. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, for me, definitely coleslaw, but. Uh, depending on the mood I'm in, it's either going to be, and I use Marzetti's to make like the creamy coleslaw, which seems to be very good, but I've also used on a handful of occasions, if I'm feeling like a mustard guy for a particular reason, there is a a manufacturer of a mustard-based sauce, uh, who I happen to know, it's called Reverend Marvin's Mustard-Based Sauce out there in Florence, South Carolina, and I will take his... uh, original mustard sauce and actually mix it in with the coleslaw mix that i get pre-made because i'm a lazy ass and i'll mix it in and man it is outstanding to go alongside uh, those pork ribs and and complements everything that i have nicely and maybe it's just me but i thought one of the most southern things ever is cornbread and i like to make that in my cast iron skillet Uh, tim is that not southern enough for you or what uh yeah I, it is. I mean, I, well, I've never really, um, uh, I'm not a big bread eater. Uh, I'm a meat and taters kind of guy. Uh, so, you know, at the, you know, I usually have a pick picking, you know, here at the house, you know, once a year, once every other year or so. But, um, my mom makes a really good beer bread. It's kind of a cornbread. Mm. Oh yeah. It's yeah. got the beer in it. Yeah, and, uh, love it. And she'll make that for me. But, uh, normally just for me and my friends here, I'll skip the cornbread and just the, the other the other sides and just go go with that. Shane, no cornbread for you? You're not Southern enough? No, I love the cornbread, man. I, that's another <laughs> thing I can make a meal of by itself, cornbread and sweet tea, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we, we, yeah, we, we just don't uh, make it with the uh, the ribs typically. But I'm glad, glad you brought up uh, the Reverend Marvin's um, uh, hot sauce chicken. Uh, and uh, Brian, uh, they, they turned me on to that. Great, uh, great, great product, man. I, I love that mustard sauce. It it, it could use a little more depth of flavor for me, but as far as something out of the bottle that's just different, Rev Marvin's is pretty good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously you have to, we're diverging here a little bit, but you have to like mustard to a certain extent because it is a mustard-based yeah. sauce uh, where, and I, maybe we're going completely off course here, but uh, you, you have Shane Draper who obviously bottles uh, Draper's Barbecue Rub, which I have tried and is very good, especially very good when coupled with the AP Rub. Uh, you also have Tim Patton on the line as well, who makes Peter River Swamp Sauce. Where, and Shane, I don't know if you've had Tim's sauce, but I mean, talk about completely out of the box where you're melding almost like uh, mustard based, tomato based, vinegar based sauce all in one, and there's great big spices and herbs in there, and it's really kind of a one of kind, one of a kind sauce as well. So, you know, to have you both uh, on the show tonight and having tasted both your products. Uh, as a consumer, I'm very happy and, and very happy to say, hey, look, these are both items that you should be trying and add to your barbecue arsenal, whether it be for competition or whether it be just for your backyard consuming uh, stuff. So both very good on, on a number of things. And, of course, I've uh, gone ahead and tried both of those. Uh, have you tried any of those, Doug, yet? Uh, no, I've I've not tried any. It was a mustard-based sauce? That, yeah, the, the Reverend, Reverend Marvin's, yeah. I've not tried that yet. And then it sounds, I love mustard. Um, sometimes when I actually put mustard on the ribs, I'll I'll mix in a little bit of Guinness and a little bit of brown sugar, a little bit of hot sauce, and kind of, I love it. It's fantastic. So I, I love mustards, but... 
And Tim, oh. I mean, you're a South Carolina guy. Uh, mustard-based sauce is really kind of a hyper-regional thing out there, right? It is, and you know, technically, I'm live in North Carolina, but uh, which is right on. I'm right on the border of South Carolina. Yeah. I work. In I, I'm in North Carolina, of course. Right. Uh, <sighs> yeah, but that's that's it. Yeah, there, there's a strain. Uh, there's a lot of German German immigrants that uh, you know settled. You know, a good part of of South Carolina, and that's where I think the mustard sauces came from. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I grew up eating all of them, and uh, which kind of you know where my sauce came from. But yeah, mustard sauce. And Reverend Marvin's is very good. I'm, I'm going to try it on, uh, on the coleslaw one time, too. I haven't tried that yet. But, uh, you know, Reverend, he makes a really good sauce. So, yeah. uh, kind of a, a nice divergent from the, the regular creamy stuff. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up the Ribs Roundtable here, guys. Anything else that you're doing as far as serving uh, to make sure that the, the people that you're having over, your family is enjoying the whole meal, we'll go back to Doug to round it out. No. No? No, just the meat. There you go. Uh, Shane? Um, we just put extra sauce and rub on the table. Um, there's always someone who wanted it spicier or not as spicy or whatever, so we just throw some more up there. And uh, if they want it spicier, they can just coat it in AP rub if they want and go nuts. Um, and then if you ever hit any dry spots, you got extra sauce to uh, to dip in as well. But do that's you, about it. Do you like to have your sauce heated on the table, Shane? I, you know, I don't. Our sauce is so thick. Uh, I, I don't have to do that. I don't necessarily like it direct out of the fridge, like, you know, just very, very cold. But, um, no, nah, we, we don't – when we formulated our sauce, I wanted it to be thick enough to, to – you didn't have to heat or you didn't have to do it at any certain temperature. It would be pretty versatile. And uh, it, because of that, we don't. Now, a blues hog or something like that, I would want heated because that stuff is just – I love it. It's a good flavor, but it's so sugar-based uh, for me that it's very thick if it's not heated. What about you, Timmy? I, I mean, I, I think once they come off the grill, I don't, you know, I try to make sure that they really don't need anything else, um, you know, and just um, just have folks come by and fix their plate, and hopefully they enjoy everything. All right, so uh, there you have it. From top to bottom prep, you're cooking, you're serving. It's the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable all rounded out here. You're going to have Shane Draper. We have Tim Patton from Petey River Swamp Sauce. Shane, obviously, from DrapersBBQ.com. And we have Doug Killley here from Mayfield Heights, Ohio, sitting in live studio guest here on the Barbie Central Radio Network. It's plug time. We call it the parting shots portion of the show, where if you have something to promote, maybe you're going to be competing somewhere, whatever it is, this is your floor, your opportunity to, to get it out there to the consuming public. Very big audience still here tonight at uh, 1024 Eastern Standard Time. Tim, what would you like to promote tonight? Go ahead. Well, it's got to be my barbecue sauce, and yeah, and you've plugged it for me all night long, and I appreciate it. But uh, swampsauce.com, you know, uh, order a couple of bottles, and we, you know, we send it out, and you know, it's uh, it's a very different. I think it's you know different than near about anything else that's out there. Um, you know, it's very versatile, and uh, I think it's a great. Of course, I think it is, and uh, but as far as contests, I've I've kind of backed off a little bit this year. I'm actually working in my backyard to get me a little. A little kitchen cooking shack kind of oh. set up in my backyard, and I've been, you know, any extra money I've been putting out there, I'm installing an air conditioner tomorrow, so we can, wow. you know, I've got a 42-inch TV, so now I need air conditioner, so, you know, <clears throat> that's that's what I'm working on now. So. And people that want to buy your sauce, Tim, where do they want to go? Uh, I go to swampsauce.com, um, you know, you can order it directly from there, and, uh, you know, and I ship it out all the time. I ship actually, you know, about three cases today. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, 
we're set up for shipping and you know anywhere and i hope uh you know give me a try what about you shane well of course we got a drapersbbq.com you can order our sauce our rub uh we're hitting memphis in may first thing in the morning wow uh, this is in fact the the last thing we're doing before we head out of town um We'll be down there doing whole hog. If anyone's down there, come see us. Uh, we're site H131. We'll be competing with uh, Team Tucker Cooker. Uh, they've been gracious enough to invite us back. And if I could plug them one more time, there wouldn't yep. be a Draper's Barbecue sauce without Tucker Cooker. We went down there last year and entered our sauce in Memphis and May uh, in the tomato base and did really well with it. So if it hadn't have been for that chain of events, there wouldn't be a DrapersBarbecue.com. There wouldn't be a sauce or rub right now. Uh, that really sparked everything for us. So we uh, we always try to 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 give a, a big big shout out to those guys because they uh, they really set the ball rolling for us and we we owe them a lot. But uh, yeah, as far as our products, we got a couple new ones coming out this year. So uh, be on the lookout for that as well. So, what are your feelings going into Memphis and May this year? Um, well, they, they've moved it. So there's a, uh, it's going to be a totally different venue, uh, there at the, uh, Liberty Bowl or Liberty Stadium or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to miss some of that, the ambiance from barbecuing right there on the river, which is just awesome experience. But I mean, for anyone that's not been to Memphis in May, it's like Mardi Gras meets, uh, meets a barbecue competition. It's one huge party and good time and great chance to network and shake hands and and walk up to people like uh you know ray or uh you know diva q or uh you know uh chris Lilly and just shake their hand and talk one-on-one and and the, the best part about it is that everyone's what you'd expect they're they're all really good people um and are willing to talk to you so it's it's, it's a great experience and i'd recommend anyone to go down there and just uh be willing to stick out your hand and say hi. I'm I'm nobody, and uh, I really like you, <laughs> because you you'll get a lot of great tips from doing that. All right. Well, good luck to you, Shane. If of course, if you win, uh, it automatically goes without saying. I get that first interview uh, next Tuesday. Hey, there's a big fountain down there, and I've already promised everyone if we win, I'm jumping naked in that thing. I'm telling you. Yeah, well, be sure to get a video so we don't post that. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Doug? What do you like to promote? Uh, what do you got going on? Uh, one of the things that got me into the the, the whole barbecue uh, experience was the Viking Store class. The, the Viking stores across the country they they offer a class on barbecue, and it to this day, uh, I, I've I use that recipe they gave us to make the rub uh, that I use to this day. And my wife insists I do not change that rub. She absolutely loves it. Uh, that that's been one of the the better experiences that got me into the, the sport in the first place. And the other thing would be uh, one book that in particular covers everything. And it's uh, Serious Barbecue by Adam Perry Lang. Uh, it, Michael Simon Lola's restaurant here in Cleveland. You know, he was on Food Network and he's promoting you know his his favorite barbecue ever. And it was this guy. Uh, so Serious Barbecue it, it covers everything. You know it's it's grilling, it's smoking, it's every type of meat, it's every you know it's from pork to chicken to lamb to veal uh, to beef. It's every cut in there. So it's just a fantastic. It's like a textbook you get in school. Only it's for barbecue. So I, I'd highly recommend those two books and uh, or that book and and another book would be Low and Slow for the beginners. Low and Slow for the beginners. All right. So I'm gonna make sure I don't screw up here. Uh, this is going to wrap up the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable. So first, I want to give thanks to Doug Killily, who's actually going to hang around here for the next uh, 25, 30 minutes or so because he's in studio. He has no choice, and I have a gun on him. We also have Tim Patton from Petey River Swamp Sauce, who I would like to thank for sharing everything that he knows about backyard ribbing. 
And you can find him at SwampSauce.com. Definitely give him a try. Also, Shane Draper from DrapersBBQ.com as well. Sauces and rubs that are very good, and especially when used together. Uh, Guys, I appreciate all of the time, all of the insights, and continued success to you guys. Thanks for doing it. Pleasure, Greg. All right, take care, guys. There they are. Always an awkward out, unfortunately. That's all right. Uh, We are going to do a quick... uh, Where the hell is it? Damn it. A quick... uh, What's his name? Kent Whitaker. And then we're going to come back and have a special After Dark segment with Doug Killily, a barbecue fanatic right here in the C-Town, baby. Woo! And uh, we will be back. Stick around. It's the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Time, I'm Kent Whitaker, and I will see you at the Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate fifty-four wieners. But listen, Lavernius, shake your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> You could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole lot of the movie. <laughs> wow, yeah, really. <laughs> keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh, top men. All right, we're back at it for the traditional After Dark segment now. Thanks to Shane Draper and Tim Patton for joining me on the After Dark segment, or I'm sorry, on the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable, which extended well into the second hour. We have uh, Doug Killily still in the studio from Mayfield Heights, Ohio. And let me make sure I don't screw this up. There we go. It's not going to happen. Thanks, everybody else, for hanging with me on the Ustream side, also on the audio side. Anybody else that has gone ahead and checked it out over at the OutdoorCookingChannel.com. Thanks to Kevin Bevington for doing that as well. In case you missed the interview that I had with Kevin Bevington, um, it was maybe like a month and a half, uh, maybe two months ago. He is on a mission to bring outdoor cooking to the masses and uh, starting on the Internet first and then to be gone ahead and delivered through uh, mainstream channels, uh, satellite television and broadcast television. Uh, so hopefully maybe one day you'll see me on uh, Outdoor Cooking Channel as it gets picked up by DirecTV and AT&T U-verse. And by the way, if anybody needs, never mind. Uh, we are here with uh, Doug Killily. So figured we'd have a little After Dark segment, uh, maybe turn the microphones around a little bit. Uh, it's not often that we have somebody that's actually in the studio to talk barbecue with. And uh, this is a backyard guy. So the majority of the listening audience is in some form or fashion uh, a, a backyard person mostly. Obviously, there's a certain contingent that is competition side and, and they like to listen to the people that I have on that are on the competition circuit. Uh, but, Doug, you're a backyard guy, too. 
Yeah. How did you actually get into barbecue? What sparked the interest? And uh, we'll go on from there. When I was uh, in Boy Scouts years ago, uh, in Boy Scouts, we had this like summer camp and it was a week and, you know, we're gone and, and my dad would come pick us up. And it, when he picked us up, we knew where we were going to go. We were going to drive two hours out of the way to go to Weird in West Virginia to get ribs. And there's this place called Happy's Ribs. And uh, I don't know if it's still there. I know it was there a few years ago because I work for a steel company now. And we were down there visiting Weirton Steel. And uh, we ended up hitting Happy's afterwards. But those ribs and that taste, and, you know, I was, you know, in seventh, eighth, ninth grade. And, you know, tasting those ribs and the texture and the flavor, it's locked into memory. So for me, getting into barbecue, it's all about hitting that that same experience and, and achieving that same taste that I remember uh, from years ago, and and you know my dad going way out of the way to make sure that we go to this rib place. It was just such a cool experience, and you know, and dads all do something special for their kids, but for us it was you get to eat as many ribs as you want. So, you know, I'm I'm in seventh eighth grade and I'm eating a, a rack and a half, and my dad's high fiving me at the table. You know, he's thinking this is great. You know, bring out you know we're done, but bring out another half rack because I think he can eat it, and and it was a fantastic experience. So, no, I don't know what they did there. Um, but those ribs were definitely fall off the bone and, and I actually think that they may have boiled them, which is, you know, sacrilege, but (laughs) we can't confirm or deny that. Can't confirm or deny that, but you know, they were like literally fall off the bone, but I I liked it that the meat still had a great texture and, and it's locked into memory, man. So, um, and then the other big thing was going to Cincinnati where had relatives down there and Montgomery Inn in Cincinnati is very well known. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even when I got into barbecue, there's a guy I work with that he emailed me a recipe for their sauce one day. I was like, dude, I'm like, I've been there before. Uh, and, and, and so is half the country. So it, it's, you know, it's one of those things my dad did for us that, you know, at a very young age made me attracted to the, you know, barbecue and but what actually got me into it was uh, a few years ago, I met, I met my wife and, you know, we were uh, about to get married and she bought me uh, a barbecue class at the Viking store. And that's that's actually what got me into it. Sitting down for, you know, whatever it was, you know, three, four hours and, you know, getting training on, on a, a butt, finding out what a butt is and uh, doing ribs. You know, <laughs> I mean, I know what a butt is, but... Um, from that point on, everything changed. I didn't have a smoker. I tried using the grill. I, as I mentioned earlier, I tried using the gas grill, but uh, I used the oven. And you know, I, I at least got into a, a barbecue. You know, using liquid smoke and those things to make up for not having you know an actual smoker, uh, and just fell in love with it. I'm like, you know, you know what? It's going to be worth the 375 bucks for a Weber Smoky Mountain. I'm going to do it. So I, I finally, you know, coughed up the change for it. And now I'm smoking. So as you look back on your time, as you say, barbecuing in the oven versus now barbecuing in the Weber Smoky Mountain, how big of a change has it been moving into that apparatus as it has been keeping into the house the whole time? It's completely different. I, I got to tell you, when you're using a mesquite liquid smoke and you're using it in the oven, <laughs> it's going to reek up the whole house. Uh, you know, we'd have friends over. We were always excited. Like, oh, we're going to have barbecue today. Let's have them over. We're making it in the oven. So it was a complete joke. But, uh, you know, the mesquite liquid smoke is so strong. So uh, the whole house would reek of it. And, you know. So, like, how would, that, how would you actually uh, – I'm a big proponent, and, you know, if you haven't listened to all of the archives of the show – to me, liquid smoke is like devil juice. The devil might as well f- flip out his package and pee all over you because it must be the same thing. Right. And I'm totally anti 
liquid smoke anything, but how did you actually apply it? I'm very interested in hearing that. Uh, well, what we would do is uh, you use it for a mop at the end, and you'd be putting it into the bottom of the pan in the oven. And um, so it would you know, kind of release that, that flavor into the smoke. But it, it, we, we were kind of... Yeah. And, and and this is all from the Viking story. They, they mm-hmm. taught you, you know, use liquid smoke if you got an oven, you don't have a smoker to get you into it. <laughs> but uh, you know, one of the, you know, again, the rub I got from that class, the the mop and how to make the mop, uh, and 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 the techniques and the cooking, whether it was oven or smoker, didn't matter. It was it was just the techniques that how to do how to do it. You know, for a guy that literally knew nothing, I, I didn't even know what a, a pork butt was. So. You know, you know. Today, I, I still like. I know a lot of guys. You know, find it to be like you said, the devil juice. But um, <laughs> I like the liquid smoke. I, I don't use a lot of it. I, I would agree that it's it's. You don't. You know, you're using you know wood for a reason. Right. But um, I don't. I don't mind. You know, dabbing a little bit in for a mop. You know, at the end of a, a smoke. So, on a scale of one to ten, as far as how it tastes in your mouth. Uh, texture, all that stuff. Is there a big change going from the Weber Smoky Mountain to out of the oven? Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, it, you know, an oven versus smoker is two completely different beasts, and you got to use, you have to use foil the whole time when you're doing it in the oven. Uh, it, it'll just get dried out so fast. Uh, whereas in the Weber Smoky Mountain, you've got the water pan, so you get a lot more moisture coming off that water. Yeah, it was at 212 degrees is where water boils, so you get a lot more steam because you're going to be running at 225 or 250, and eventually it starts to steam and boil. Uh, but uh, it's, the other thing would be the pepper. You know, one thing I learned is, oh, we got to cut the pepper in half because we're cooking in the oven. This pepper's way too strong. What's going on with this recipe? But at the end of the day, the, 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 uh, that was because we were using enough. And when you're, when you're putting pepper on in a smoker, that pepper eventually, you know, it, it, over time, it, it mellows down and you don't get as drastic of a hit of it. So now I actually load up on the pepper because it, it definitely mellows out as you smoke over a period of time. So what's your favorite thing to barbecue these days? What, what, if you had your choice, if I said, hey, I'm going to stroke you a blank check and let's go ahead and, and make a meal for everybody in the neighborhood, what what would be your favorite thing to do for everybody to show off your barbecue wares? Uh, the ribs. The, from when I was a kid and going to you know Happy's in Montgomery, and definitely the baby back ribs, hands down. That's what got me into it. I, I still love it to this day. I, I want to perfect it. Uh, and, and next up would be the, the pork shoulder, the pork butt. So what in your estimation, would make a perfect rib? When do you know you've achieved the pinnacle of ribness? Uh, Fall off the bone or close to a nice sweet sauce that's just, you know, my vision for it is it just tastes really, really good and sweet, but not too sweet, of course. Uh, And the texture of the meat, when you bite into it, 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 it's got the texture of meat. It's not just, you know, completely disintegrating in your mouth. You know, it's got a bite to it. So... uh, that's that's the experience I remember, and, I, and I'm achieving, trying to achieve. And does it have to be your sauce in the end, or is it something that can be uh, an amalgamation of store bought stuff that's cut with other stuff? Or would you like to be the one that's making everything from top to bottom? And that was another thing too. We made the sauce in this Viking store class. So when we did that, you know, they took us through, you know, from North, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, to Memphis, to St. Louis, down to Texas, and you know, basically just add ingredients to get from you know east to west coast or down to south. And I really enjoyed it. But you know what? At the end of the day, I've got. It's, there's too much time involved with making your own sauce, so I just prefer to buy it. But I do enjoy making it. It's just it's too time-consuming. All right, so what do you buy? What do you like? Uh, head Country, uh, number one. 
it, it, the wife and I and my friends we absolutely love it. It's good for it's good for all the pork products at least. And then uh, the next would have to be Three Little Pigs Championship Sauce. It's fantastic, but it's like seven bucks a bottle, so it's expensive, but it's really good. I mean, it's championship. It's there's it's won lots of uh, awards and everything. So yeah, obviously Three Little Pigs. For those who don't know, that's uh, Chris Marks competition cooking team uh they'd won american royal a number of times so obviously a lot of uh, success behind that sauce and you're validating that as well i've had chris mark on the show uh one or two times already so uh definitely a revered competition cook was now uh, not necessarily reverted into teaching classes but is out there kind of teaching the gospel of barbecue in smaller size classes not necessarily just Look, you listen to the show, you know that teams that are out there on the competition circuit that are starting to do well, I don't want to say are cashing in on their success by putting on competition cooking classes, but this is done at a different level. Obviously, he's teaching you how to do stuff, uh, but much like the Ribs Roundtable was the past hour and change, more geared towards the backyard cook. He does uh, grilling classes that have nothing to do with barbecue. He also does uh, just kind of like barbecue 101 classes that teaches you how to do the ribs and brings you through smokers and what the different things are. So if Chris is ever out in your area, definitely a class that you want to consider giving money up to uh, aside from the sponsors of the show uh, like uh, Barbecue Class Institute as well because uh, Conrad Haskins does the same type of thing as well. Um, when you were looking to buying a cooker and stepping out of the oven finally, how do you decide on Weber Smoky Mountain? And on top of that, how do you decide on the size of that? Yeah, that was it was a tough decision. And I, it, it, for anybody that's that's listening or that knows me, that they they know that I'm a I'm extremely picky, and I got to do all kinds of research to make sure I'm getting the right value and it's going to last me forever. So for me, it was it, it was getting a couple of books, like getting that book, Serious Barbecue, I mentioned, and uh, and, and kind of going through it and seeing what's this guy using, what does he recommend, and uh, also hitting the web. And then at the end of the day, you know, I was like, I went to Amazon and I looked at that, the Weber product. I kept looking at the Weber products and then there were so many, you know, five-star reviews on Amazon for the Weber, you know, Smoky Mountain. And the price wasn't, I mean, 300 bucks or 375 for the 22 and a half inch was, was, that's a lot of money. But at the end of the day, I said, I'm going to use this. I I know I've been, you know, cooking in this oven for a long enough time. I'm going to definitely use it. Um, and the reviews were good. The customer service looked like it was fantastic from reading, you know, many of the reviews and, uh, you know, the price wasn't, uh, wasn't too difficult to deal with. So and it's, it's a beginner's smoker at the end of the day, you know, it's, it, and you know, then you hear that they're using it in competitions well, across the country. I was just going to say that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it's for beginners to, I mean, and it's, so it's fantastic. I, I really, I'm glad I made that decision. I don't know, you know, I've heard a lot of people use the triggers, mm-hmm. uh, the wood pellet, uh, you know. And, um, and I've heard of other ones that are a thousand plus, but you know, for something under 500 bucks, the, the WSM is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, at least what I like about the Weber Smoky Mountain, and now I have a twin uh, set of 18 and a half inches is the fact that you can do uh, considerably long cooks, overnight cooks. Uh, I don't want to say necessarily when it's winter time, it's a whole different monster because you're dealing with the charcoal actually having to work harder to maintain the same type of temperature. But in the summer, when it's warmer out, especially if you're going to get any type of sunlight on the cooker during the course of the day, uh, the amount of charcoal that it consumes is minimal, not necessarily minimal like a ceramic cooker would be because, you know, you have the whole ceramics heating up and ceramic cookers are very well known for being the charcoal misers of the whole industry. But uh, pound for pound, being able to do an overnight cook on a Weber Smoky Mountain on a full load of charcoal Easily, especially in spring, summertime weather, you're looking at 
12, 14, 16 hours. I've had 20 plus hour cooks on full loads of charcoal, probably because the conditions were just right. But you can put it on at uh, 10, 11 o'clock at night, make sure the temperatures settle in. You go to bed and you don't have to worry about it until 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, some people get a little anal with the ET73 uh, remote thermometers. Uh, of course, you always have the option of doing some type of temperature control device. But I think if you get to know the cooker well enough, uh, you're going to know when it has the potential to spike, uh, if there's wind outside and properly shielding your your vents from the underside, you know, from from getting that spike on. And it's for me, pound for pound, regardless, beginner cooker or not, uh, $300, $500, whatever the case may be, Weber Smoky Mountain, pound for pound, best smoker out there on the market for what it is. Uh, and that is one that wins competition cooks, as uh, Harry Sue from Slap Your Daddy would very well testify just down to the backyard guy like me who was, you know, one graduated up to two because of the consistently performance of it, cook after cook. And that's why I uh, I like it. And I have a bunch of different cookers out there on the backyard as well. Uh, something that you would like to get into and add to the cooking fleet as you go forward, Doug? Um, I'd like to get a kettle grill, actually, and a fire pit, you know, to uh, I'd like to get that, uh, that was it, La Caja China? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cajun microwave. Yeah, where you can cook this whole pig, you know, in four hours or eight hours, whatever it is. It's it's peanuts compared to having a guy come out with a pit and paying the guy to sit there and turn the thing all day and take care of this pig. Uh, Being able to cook it yourself that that looks really cool. Um, And the only thing with the Weber would be, you know, the twenty two and a half inch. I went with the bigger one just so it'd last forever. So I use a little more charcoal, but in the event of a big party or, you know, we'd like to have a barbecue fest. You know, that's, that's the big thing. And in the fall, you know, my friends and I, we're going to have sausage fest uh, and, 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 you know, observance of uh, October fest, we're going to call it sausage fest. So, you know, we're going to pull out the smoker. We're going to smoke a bunch of different sausages and have a blast. And, you all right. You're good. That's the uh, the compressor on the whole chain brings the. If you don't talk, it brings the sound out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're talking with uh, Doug Killily. He's from Mayfield Heights, Ohio. A barbecue guy that's been, uh, you said you've had the smoker since March, right? Yeah, the the day they delivered it, there was so much snow in Cleveland that uh, they wouldn't deliver it. And I'm like, well, I've got this, I've got some ribs, I'm going to be smoking tomorrow. So I ended up, you know, hauling, hauling my butt up to the UPS store to, to actually get it and bring it home. And uh, they, they, looked at us, they looked at me and they said, well, this shouldn't have even shipped because it's 80 pounds. I said, well, just give me the thing. So I took it home and, and smoked the next morning. All right. So what do you like as far as fuel? Are you a briquette guy in the Smoky Mountain? Are you a lump guy? Are you a mixture? Where are you at? I know you, were, you and I were talking before the show about, you know, you use the uh, the briquettes and, and combination and all that. Um, I've been using lump straight up. So lump charcoal and, you know, locally there's, there's not many options for it, but I've been trying to find the good ones and, and use those. What would you say are some of your favorite accessories or accessories that you have your eye on that you would like to get to either make the whole cooking process more efficient or just to say, this is something I got and you don't? Oh, there's not too much. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Um, I, I You know what I've got is a, a big uh, box at home filled with spices and sauces and shakers and uh, injectors and all that different stuff that's like it, it, I almost want to just get like a big tool bag and put all my stuff in there <laughs> you know and, uh, and and have it all together 
So for somebody that might be looking and listening tonight, because uh, we have people that trip over the stream probably just by sheer accident, uh, depending on where we're broadcasting to, that's like, eh, you know, I have a grill, or, or maybe they're like you. They, they've only been doing it in the oven, or they've been uh, braising ribs in the, sh- in the slow cooker all day long. They thought that was barbecue, and they're looking to make the jump, uh, but they're just not at the jumping-off point yet. What would you say to encourage them to go ahead and, and make that purchase first and get into the world of barbecue? Because that was me for a while. Didn't know what I wanted to get. Had a conversation with my cousin who really kind of spawned this whole deal and said, look, don't just go out and buy a $1,200 grill. Buy a smoker. You get introduced to a whole different way of cooking, and then you can also buy a grill, and you probably save money in the process. And I took his advice, and, and here's where we are five years later. And I've fallen in love with barbecue, everything about it. Uh, what would you say to somebody that might be kind of teetering? Well, first off, ask yourself, do you drink beer on the weekends with your friends? Uh, it, number one. And number two, would you like to do it over 12 hours while you're smoking meat? Right. No, I'm just kidding. But, but my point is, is you know, it's, for me, it's that relaxing time where I can go out and have a beer and smoke some meat. Uh, but to get into it, you know, for me, the, the, the step for me to actually leap into it was to learn a little bit about it. So some kind of class or get the, to figure out how to do it, a book like low and slow is going to get you into it and a Weber Smoky Mountain or an offset or a kettle, you know, any of those three that book covers and it will tell you step by step how to do it. So, you know, it'll make it more comfortable for you to go out and, uh, you know, purchase a smoker and actually be confident and being able to cook with it. It's, it's very difficult to screw it up if you got a book like that. Doug, any aspirations to jump into the competition circuit at some point? Oh yeah, absolutely. If, if there's, you know, if there's a chance for me to get into it, I'm jumping on it. I'd, I'd love to, I'm a competitive person at, at heart and uh, you know, I, I'm passionate about it. I, I enjoy it. So I'd love to get into it. Is that something you'd like to form your own team with, or would you like to latch on with somebody? I mean, uh, I have personal reservations about competing on my own. I'm a very competitive person myself, like you are. But I think if I'm going to go compete, I want to win right off the bat. I don't want to fuck around and say, well, I dropped six or 700 bucks on the course of a weekend to say I had a great time. Right. right. Uh, the word compete to me means I have to win at all costs, at any cost. Cheat if you can, and it's not cheating if you're getting caught or anything like that. But. There's to me. There's better ways to have a good time than spending six or seven hundred bucks and going. I mean, there's really no great barbecue competitions around here aside from going two and a half hours east out to Clarence, New York, where Oktoberfest is. You could obviously go down south. I think there's one in Marietta. There might be one or two in Cincinnati. There's none by us per se, and we're the rock and roll Hall of Fame freaking city over here. And of course, my power should bring one here, but it never happens. I want to win if I'm going to do it. And I know if I start off and do it, it's going to be a money dump three, four, five, six times out. And that's really going to piss me off. Not the same for you? Well, I don't know if it's for the money. I think it's for the glory. (laughs) Um, You know, maybe it'd be a couple hundred bucks every time you do go because you got to buy the brisket, the chicken, the ribs. You got to buy a lot of it. And, you know, you're going to spend a lot just getting to that point to compete. But for me, it's, it's, uh, you know what, if I can, if I can compete even just once and go through that experience, I've learned enough that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to make better barbecue the rest of my life and all my friends and all my family will, will really enjoy what I've made. So, um, for me, it's more of, I'd like to do it just to learn and, and experience it. And, you know, maybe I would, you know, do it more. 
Uh, but you know, I don't know how much money there, there there is in it. You know, I mean, you see some of the the, the payouts at some of these competitions, maybe five or ten thousand dollars total. You know, you're, you're not talking about a hundred thousand dollars. You know, whereas you know, Best in Smoke and Food Network, they're going to pay out fifty grand, and one of those five or six people is going to win it. That's fantastic. That I would do. Um, but you know, to go to your local show, you're, you're not going to. You know, I don't know how much you really can make out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Doug Killily from Mayfield Heights, Ohio. And I would imagine the majority of people have no idea where that is, but I do, and that's all that matters. It's my show. Uh, Doug, before we uh, wrap up here tonight, um, how did you find the show exactly? Um, I actually I took a class with Chris Marks in, uh, in North Ridgeville on the west side of Cleveland. And I was talking to a guy there on the side that, you know, there's like 25 people in this class with Chris. And, you know, he said, uh, I, I grabbed one of the guys that said he was in competition, pulled him off to the side and started talking to him. And he said, you got to check out the Greg Rempe show. Um, if, if you do any, like within the first the 10 seconds of talking to this guy, he's like, you got to check out that show. So I did. And, uh, you know, sure enough, last Tuesday, um, you know, my wife, it's nine o'clock on Tuesday and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to go listen to the radio show. I've been waiting all week for this. <laughs> so she laughs and I said, well, this is what I'm doing. I really want to watch the show. And I, I, I just, I watched it, you know, and then I, uh, you know, found you on Facebook and, you know, then you uh, posted something over the weekend. You're looking for a guy to do a round table. So I figured I'd shoot you an email and, you know, you invited me up. So uh, thanks a bunch for having me. Um, it, this, is, this is awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, first or second live show, uh, and you've made it in the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios. Uh, you know, a, a vast arena as we look around, you know, the vaulted ceilings, you know, the <laughs> many city blocks that the compound takes up. Um, I certainly appreciate you making the time for coming in and obviously sharing your techniques uh, for the ribs, but then uh, having the conversation here afterwards. So, thanks, Greg. Um, uh, Kevin Bevington of HomeBBQ.com Outdoor Cooking Channel will actually, uh, he's, he said he has Thursdays from 9 until 11 reserved for me. So this show will be played again on Outdoor Cooking Channel next Thursday. So, or I'm sorry, this Thursday in just uh, two days' time. So if you miss it or if you miss certain portions of the show, you can always uh, go back audioly to the iTunes archives, which will be updated here in just a few short hours. And if you want to catch uh, the video side of things as well, you can go to OutdoorCookingChannel.com every Thursday at 9 p.m. And Kevin will have the show up here. And I think that's uh, where we're going to be. We're going to wrap it up and uh, thank my guest for the Barbecue Roundtable Ribs Edition. That was Shane Draper. DrapersBBQ.com is his website. Makes a great sauce and rub. Also, Tim Patton from Petey River Swamp Sauce. SwampSauce.com is his website. Definitely give that a shot. And my man Doug for sitting in live here on the Barbecue Central Radio Show. This might be something we could do again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, So thanks, everybody, for hanging with me. Uh, Great show tonight. Two hours strong for sure. And again, if you've missed any of the portions of the show, you want to catch it, you can catch it on iTunes in the archive podcast fashion or this Thursday coming up at 9 o'clock Eastern on OutdoorCookingChannel.com. Big show next week. Meathead Goldwyn makes his monthly triumphant return. We're going to be talking about hamburgers. Last week it was wieners and hot wieners and all sorts of homoeroticism. Who knows what we can get into with burgers. And then the following week after that, we have executive producer, Emmy Award-winning executive producer, John Marcus, going to be talking about his competition uh, barbecue series coming up as well. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. <laughs>